A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Kate Fakaronga Mai Kwekito Tato El Hori Hori. He Hotaka E Panaki A Papa Tuanuku, Tangaroa, Meirangi Nui. I'm Alison Balance, and here on Our Changing World, we are marking Conservation Week, Te Wiki Tiaki Ao Tūroa. This year the theme is Conservation Week is Calling, or Karanga Mai, Karanga Atu, Te Wiki Tiaki Ao Tūroa. Now I'm off to Zelandia Sanctuary in Wellington to meet Te Papa Bird expert Colin Muskelly. He's just published a paper on how bird populations here have changed since a predator-proof fence was erected in what was once a water catchment for the city. The paper is based on nearly 6,000 five-minute bird counts made by many volunteers from Birds New Zealand. A five-minute bird count, as the name suggests, simply involves counting every bird you can hear or see in a five-minute period. So as we stood enjoying the avian cacophony at Zelandia, I asked Colin what he could hear. Probably the main call we're hearing here at the moment is kaka, which it's almost the soundscape of Wellington these days. You know, we just almost take it for granted. But you know, 20 years ago, you'd be so excited to hear a kaka in Wellington, and now they're just everywhere. And yeah, it's magic. And of course, that's the whitehead, popocatia. So one of the commoner birds in here. But unless you know your bird calls, you'd probably overlook them because they're up in the canopy and just doing their own thing, not making a big fuss and show the way that some of the other species do, but they're they're one of the success stories in here. And of course that's just the tui, which is the the other sound of Wellington City. They're so common all through Wellington now. Colin, cast your mind back 20, 30 years. What was this place like? Yeah, it was quite different, obviously. There's no no fence here. Uh, It was really just a, a great idea that Jim Lynch at the time was kicking around, you know, what could we do to bring the birds back to Wellington and settled upon this idea of of creating a pest-proof or pest-resistant fence around a block of bush. And at the time, people didn't really know, can you do that? You know, it was a completely new concept. And so in 1995, I think it was, I took it on to organise some bird counts in here, which took a bit of convincing the local bird watchers, you know, members of Birds New Zealand, to come into a patch of scruffy old bush on the edge of Wellington City to count common birds because that's all that was here at the time. You know, we were literally counting hundreds of silver eyes and blackbirds and chaffinches. But it was all about laying the groundwork so that we'd be able to measure the changes that happened once the fence was put in. So these are the pretty common birds, mostly introduced, a few native species that you'll see in most towns and cities yeah, in New Zealand. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much what you get in your garden, you know, particularly if you've got a nice patch of scrub nearby. It's a mixture of introduced species, as we've already mentioned, blackbirds and chaffinches and things like dunnocks that maybe people don't really know quite as well. But also just a few robust natives that, again, are pretty common in people's gardens. You know, silver eyes have come to a lot of people's feeders in their backyards. But fantails and grey warblers are reasonably common through New Zealand cities. And, you know, they were just some of the birds that we were in here counting. So you counted for how many years? 
Well, that first block of counts was three years between 1995 and 1998, and we managed to complete them about a year before the fence was built. So the Zealandia fence here was finished in 1999. So we're looking at 19 years of fence yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And so we waited three years after the fence to let a, a new equilibrium establish, and then we did another three-year block of counts between about 2002 and 2005. And the key point there is that that's before all of these reintroduced species, the saddlebacks and the robins and the kaka and the whiteheads had really taken off. So that first two block of counts was really just looking at what had happened when you get rid of the rats and the stoats and the possums. And the really intriguing result there was that not much changed. So the, there was one species, which was tui, which did really, really well. So they suddenly started increasing. But pretty much everything else that was here before the fence didn't change much when we got rid of all the mammals. And that was a bit unexpected. You know, we thought, you know, if you think of all these pictures of rats eating fantails on nests, you'd think if you get rid of the predators... Everything that, would explode. That, ...that everything would increase, but that didn't happen. And it suggests that for a lot of these common sort of robust species that can cope with predators, they're not actually limited by predators. They're, they're probably limited by food supply, and so particularly things like fantails, when you get a bad winter, you know, stormy conditions and not many insects flying, that's really what affects fantails. And so, sure, some of them get eaten on their nests by rats, but if you get rid of the rats and stoats, it's the food supply that's actually limiting the fantails, not predation. Whereas for Tui, you said they responded really well, so they clearly did. predators were having an impact on yeah, them. Yeah, so Tui were obviously robust enough that they did hang on around the city, but everyone who lives in Wellington knows just how dramatically the, the Tui populations increased over the last 20 years or so. And you've got to recognise that that's not just Zealandia, that there's, the regional council has been doing really effective possum and rat control around all of the reserves around the city. And as a result, Tui have, have increased hugely around Wellington, to the extent now that there are as many Tui outside the fence here at Zealandia as there are inside. So creating the sanctuary, as you say, was a three-step process. One, build the fence. Two, get rid of the introduced things like rats, stoats, possums. Three, you've touched on it, bring back some of our rarer, more endemic birds. Oh, absolutely. And getting rid of the rats and the stoats and the possums made relatively little difference to the resident birds, but bringing back abundant, vibrant populations of lots of our endemic birds, you know, the ones we've talked about, the robins and the saddlebacks and the hee-hee. And, and the, the kaka that we can hear kaka, flying yeah. around. That's what made a difference. Suddenly all of those birds that have been there all along became a lot more scarce, and there's way fewer introduced species and silver eyes and fantails and grey warblers in here now than there were 20 years ago. So you've been back and you've counted again, and like a third block of counts, and so in that count, that, that's when you're seeing the fantail and silver eye numbers drop. Everything else that's been introduced here, though, is doing pretty well. If you come in here now and do bird counts, the five commoner species that we pick up are tui, which was here all along, and then the next four are all species that were reintroduced. So that's the kaka, whitehead, saddleback and robin, are all among the top five or six species that are in here, which is just marvellous. You know, when you think we're only a couple of kilometres from the beehive and you can just walk into this little patch of forest and nearly everything you see in here around you are our deep endemic New Zealand birds. 
It's a real, real success story. So the silver eyes and the fantails, what's happened to them? Have they just been out-competed? Uh, well, they're still here. You know, they're, they're not even rare. It's, it's more a reflection that they used to be super abundant in scrubby margins around Wellington. So when we first came in here in the mid to late 90s, over half of the individual birds we counted were silver eyes. I recall on one occasion standing at one count station of having a flock of 105 silver eyes pass through during one five-minute count, which is an astonishing number of birds to count in five minutes, and they're all one species. And if you come in here now, you might get one or two silver eyes per count. So they're still here, they're still common, but their actual numbers have declined hugely now that they're being, I suppose, subjected to competition from, from all of these other uh, endemic New Zealand birds that have been brought back. Um, in terms of how long some of these things might have been in New Zealand, silver eyes, they're relatively recent, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they're very recent. They only turned up in New Zealand in the 1850s. And so they're a classic example of a, a generalist, a, a species that does really well in a whole range of habitats, but when they're exposed to competitors, uh, so in this case the deep endemic New Zealand birds, they don't do so well. What about fantails and grey warblers? How long have they been here? Yeah, they're, they're, again, fairly recent arrivals. They're quite similar to their Australian counterparts. And the significance of that ecologically is it means that they would have evolved in ecosystems where they're, they're coping with mammal predators, mammalian predators, and also, in Australia's case, there's lots of snakes. So they have evolved breeding systems where they produce lots of eggs, lots of chicks. They can breed many times in a season. So you know, a fantail pair could easily produce three or four broods of young in a year, and each of those might have four or five chicks. So that's potentially 20 little fantails flying around after one breeding season. And if you compare that with things like the teaki, the, the saddlebag, they'll be lucky to get one or two chicks away in one breeding season. And that's part of the reason why these recent arrivals in New Zealand, which includes all the introduced birds, you know, the blackbirds and the chaffinches, can cope with predators, is that they can breed quickly and produce a lot of young so they can make up for the losses. Whereas the the deep endemic New Zealand birds tend to have very small clutch sizes and breed very slowly. But the reason they've evolved that way is that they produce a few high-quality offspring that can compete with other birds, you know, that's what the whole New Zealand sort of forest ecosystem was about, was having to find your niche and shoulder your way in uh, to find a territory or a home because, you know, there's just so many birds in the environment. And so having a few high-quality offspring was what led to winners under that scenario. And that's what we're recreating here, is by getting rid of the predators and then bringing back those deep endemics. They are the ones that are coming out on top because they know how to exploit the ecosystem here, how to find the food, and you know, because I've had millions of years of coevolution, they can recognise the little fruits and the, where the insects are hiding, and these recent arrivals from other countries haven't quite got that sussed, and they're the ones that just gradually fizzle out. I'm just smiling because it's probably too quiet to hear on my recorder, but I was just listening to a grey warbler then, <laughs> busily proving yeah. that it's still and here. As I said, they're still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not concerned about any of these species becoming threatened. And interesting, they're, they're all still really common around the Wellington cityscape because we've got a, a great series of counts that have been uh, done in city reserves over the last five or six years, uh, which are done in November every year. 
and I've shown that all of these species that we've shown, you know, there's about 17 species have declined here in the sanctuary, but they've all persisted in typical numbers outside the fence. So it's not a Wellington city-wide effect that we're measuring here. It's a, it's a Zealandia-specific effect that if you bring back the competing endemic birds, the introduced bird species and silver-eye fantail grey warbler decline compared to their previous numbers. Thanks, Colin. Now, long-term data sets like this are great for revealing how ecosystems change over time. I asked Danielle Shanahan, Manager for Conservation and Research at Zelandia, what she thought of the study's results and how the sanctuary has changed in the last two decades. So it's quite a vast difference from what you would have found 20 years ago. 20 years ago you might have, you know, about 40%, 50% maybe of the species, the bird species that you've seen would have been native. Today, over 90%. So massive change in just 20 years. I don't know that anyone anticipated this result. Certainly starting out the sanctuary, you know, I guess the imagining was that everything would be flourishing and, and doing incredibly well. So I think it's from an ecologist's perspective, as I am of course, it's incredibly interesting to see how this ecosystem is finding some balance, how things are shifting in numbers, increasing or decreasing. So certainly surprising, but incredibly interesting. Thanks, Danielle. That was Danielle Shanahan from Zelandia, and we also heard Colin Muskelly from Te Papa. I'm Alison Balance. And this Our Changing World podcast first aired on RNZ on the 20th of September 2018. Now, I am super keen to hear from you about viruses. What would you like to know about them? Do you have any viral experiences you'd be happy to share? If you're currently suffering through a cold or the flu, would you keep a very short audio diary? Drop me a line at ourchangingworld at rnz.co.nz or download the RNZ Vox Pop app to your smartphone and start recording. It's very simple. If you enjoy podcasts, you can find us as RNZ, Our Changing World, and subscribe on your favourite podcast provider. You can also listen to us on the RNZ app. We are on Twitter and Facebook as RNZ Science. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Na mihi. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.